Welcome to the Ultimate Music Teacher's Productivity and Profitability Podcast. I'm your host, Glory St. Germain. Tune in to discover how you can unleash your teaching potential and turn your passion for music education into profit. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Ultimate Music Teacher's Productivity and Profitability Podcast. I'm your host, Glory St. Germain, and today we're diving deep into the world of piano teaching and the creative approaches behind it. With us today is the multi-talented Clinton Pratt, owner of a thriving multi-teacher piano studio in Cincinnati, Ohio, and RCM examiner, a notable figure in numerous boards and committees, and a sought-after presenter on topics that make all of us Music educators nod our heads in recognition and curiosity. Clinton is here with us to share his wisdom, and welcome to the show, Clinton. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. We've known each other for quite some time and chatted on different topics, and we're going to start off with a crescendo today. You know, you wear uh, so many hats, RCM examiner, studio owner, board member, presenter. Which one of these roles resonates with you the most? And why? Yeah, that's an interesting question. At first, I thought it would probably be piano teacher because that's sort of what I spend most of my time doing. But actually, I think it's presenter. And why is because I love sharing ideas with other teachers. And it's not that, you know, I think I'm the best expert on everything and I, everybody needs to listen to me. In fact, I, kind of have public speaking anxiety, but I just like, I just like sharing. I like going into conferences. I like, I like when people ask me questions and want to know about things. So I, I think it's presenter. Yeah. And, you know, I think what is so cool about that is that you're so open. And that's why I'm I'm so grateful that you're sharing your wisdom on the podcast today, because you're so open to say, yeah, well, here's what I've learned. And if it can serve you, then I'm happy to share it. And I know improvisation is, you know, among one of your favorite topics. Can you maybe share a little fun exercise or a game that integrates, you know, the fun and the learning for students simultaneously? Sure. Yeah. One thing I like to do that doesn't start out as improvisation, but becomes improvisation is we'll do to just like a echo game. So, you know, play what I play and they have to, it might even just be three black keys and they copy see if they can copy the same thing i play so and then they play you know so it's just a copy back and forth and then i'll make it to where i say now it doesn't matter which of the black keys you play but copy my rhythm so i'll go dun 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 and they have to play dun, 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 right? And so they're copying the rhythm. So now they're improvising a little with which notes they're playing, but they're copying the exact rhythm. And then the next step is now don't copy my rhythm, right? So now we're yeah. just going back and forth with improv. And mm-hmm. I've sort of snuck it, gradually snuck them into improv to where they're playing whatever, but I've guided them along the way. Yeah. 
And, you know, it's such a beautiful thing that you do that, Clinton, because it really prepares them, you know, if they're going to play in a band or, you know, trading force, like you, you've got to know how that, that pocket, as it's often called, is, is how does that feel, right? And so you're ready and you can be spontaneous. And I think it's amazing. I know we've talked about Delcro's uh, Eurythmics. Can you uh, just explain a little bit about that? Yes, I would love to. This is my favorite sort of whatever you call it, philosophy or modality in music teaching. So Dalcro's is the name of the guy that came up with it. And Eurythmics comes from the words that mean good flow. Uh So the philosophy is basically using the body and movement to experience and learn music. It's actually really hard to explain. It's something you just kind of have to do. It's very interactive and using the whole body. And I think it was Jeremy Dittus who defined it as an experiential way of knowing music through the body. So I like that description too. And it's basically just tapping into the innate musical sense that everybody has. That, you know, Dalcros and me and many others believe that everyone's sort of born a musician. Like it's just a natural thing. Kids move to music and hear it and all that. And then you either cultivate it or suppress it. So later in life, people say, oh, I'm not musical. I don't have, you know, well, you are. It's just suppressed. It's it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know what? It's you, you remind me of just sort of a funny story, Clinton. I, I remember I feel music immediately. So as soon as you start playing music, my body moves just naturally. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to a symphony and I was sitting sort of further back and I could see the audience all in front of me and no one moved at all. They just sat in perfect stillness and stiffness. And I thought, how can you listen to music and not even move a little like I was just you know curious like how can that happen so when you're teaching and and you're using this method what body parts do you start with are you tapping or or go a little deeper into how that works for you yeah so usually it starts with walking okay so and this can be done in a group class or or a private lesson. I, I mostly teach private lessons, so I might have the student walk. But my, my favorite thing to do is have a bigger open space and have a group of students. Yeah. So take a walk. So then I'm just watching everybody walk. And then I might start playing. I'll improvise on the piano based on a specific student's walk. Right. You know, So I'm taking their beat and sort of their energy. And you know, I might say something like, if you think it's you that I'm playing, keep going. Everyone else stop, you know, and so we'll play a little game with it. But the important thing here is a walk is natural and mm-hmm. everybody pretty much keeps a steady beat walking unless you have some kind of limp or injury, right? So, yeah, yep. so when, you know, when people say, oh, I don't have a sense of rhythm. Yes, you do. You walk, mm-hmm. just getting the whole body moving, feeling that sense of beat. And then we expand it from there by adding, yeah, adding arm movements, clapping, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like fun. I'm going to come to one of your classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope it'll be me walking in time. So on the business side of things, you know, managing studio policies, I mean, we all know that's vital to our business. Do you have any stories or lessons that you learned the hard way when it comes to establishing or, or enforcing studio policies? Yeah, I've sort of distilled my policies gradually over time. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I think it's 
very good and efficient in what I have. But there was one time when with collecting tuition, I wasn't as strict and had everything set up efficiently. And one client would always pay like one day late or, you know, it was just this little annoyances. And one time it was pretty late to where the student's lesson, the next lesson was coming up and they still hadn't paid. Right. And I also had a late fee, so they should have paid plus the late fee and they hadn't. And I had warned the parent, I think it was the mother, the payment needs to happen before the next lesson or else we, we can't have the lesson. Right. Well, she dropped off the student without the payment. Right. And so like, yeah. I, we didn't have any confrontation because she just like the, the kid shows up, you know, what am I going to do? Tell the kid, Hey, where's your $200? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so thankfully I was sort of quick on my feet and I told the student, Oh, sorry, we don't, actually don't have a lesson. I'll call your mom real quick and tell her to come and get you. <laughs> right. So that way yeah. the student really wasn't like involved Didn't in know. the whole money issue, but I yeah. called the mom and I said, sorry, like I told you the payment needed to happen before the lesson. So you got to come pick them up. Wow. Well, when she came, she showed up with the payment plus the late fee plus two more months. Wow. And wow. Was, never, was never late again. Yeah. Wow. It, I have to say congratulations, like seriously, because we're business owners. And what you did was run your business professionally and sticking to your policies. And so many go, oh, okay, and then they don't do it. So, mm -hmm. and, and look at the result. I think that really elevates their respect for you as a teacher and also knows like, this is serious. This is a business. It's like, you can't just go into Safeway and get a bunch of groceries and say, I'll pay you later. It doesn't work that way, right? Right, exactly. And now I don't even do things that way with, I, I do auto pay. So no one really can be late anyway. It just automatically right? comes out and it, it's much better now. But still, yeah, I definitely learned from that. Yeah, for sure. I think the expectation of, you know, also, when we're teaching that instant piano proficiency seems to be a growing trend. Everybody wants it now. Uh, how do you, in your, your lively and engaging way, manage these magician-like expectations from parents and students? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I just had somebody the other day, actually, it was an adult uh, trial lesson. So I offer trial lessons where they come and, you know, I talk about everything and we have a little sample. And one of the first questions was, so how long will it take me to learn the piano? Right. <laughs> you know, and we all know that's like a complicated answer because I can yeah. help you play something right now and yeah. you'll play something, but also you could practice for 50 years and still not know everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, the idea that, that people want to yeah be able to play instantly or they, they sign up their kids and we they want us to turn them into prodigies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of a balance. Now, one thing like the improv, so I do include that. That's that is sort of like an instant music. Yes. And it is satisfying. So I do a lot of that even in the trial lesson. They're playing something that's enjoyable and sounds like real music right away. And it is instant. Yeah. But then also we balance that with 
you know, technique and let's learn how to read it too. And then you can compose things yourself. And so there's longer term goals as well. But I do kind of do instant, what is it? Instant gratification with yeah. improv. Yeah. And I think that the magic potion that you have, Clinton, where students then want to stay with you because they're already seeing like, this is fun. I learned something. Hey mom, look what I can play. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that really is the key to having that, that first engaging lesson where you kind of get to know their abilities and their likes and things like that. And if they're even open to trying something so good on you, because that's, you know, the making of a great teacher. And I'm sure for our listeners, maybe they haven't thought about that because sometimes when we do that, try it lesson, we are so concerned about teaching something maybe mm. rather than just having fun and right. opening the box and exploring something. So yeah, that sounds like it would be fun. Mm -hmm. hundred percent. You know, you mentioned that modern individuals, you know, we're busy, we're rushed, everything has to be snacking. You know, we talk about shorts and, you know, meaning videos and like no one can stand anything for longer than 60 seconds in this world. It's so fast paced. Um, how do you ensure that, you know, the essence and the joy of music aren't lost just in this busy shuffle? Yeah, that's a good question. I try to stay in the moment. Mm -hmm. in lessons and well you might even notice while we're sitting here speaking that i'm not super fast like in my verbal processing okay <laughs> it's it's not my best trait so there's a lot of times in lessons where there's just calm pauses you know a student might play something and i don't say something right away like oh good job or oh, hey let's fix this i just kind of you know let it be there and maybe they make a comment and, you know, I ask a lot of questions. And so I think that's important is just slowing things down. You know, even when the student comes in at the beginning, it doesn't have to be, okay, how are you? Great, play your scale, you know, like, yeah. a, like a disingenuous, how are you, you know, but yes. it can be a sort of a real conversation. And then, you know, is there anything you're thinking about with music that you want to do? Or, you know, do you have any questions from our last lesson? Or it might be, Hey, let's make something up. Do you, how are you feeling right now? And can you improvise something and in, in that feeling? Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, you know, with yeah. the fast pace, but I think just a general stay in the moment, relax, allow pauses and silence with students. I actually really love that, Clinton, because I think so many times. You know, we need to listen to understand, not listen to reply. And it's so important to be in that moment. And I love that. I think we don't take enough time. We're always here, but our mind is there, right? And we're thinking, oh, I have to do this is my to do. And it, it's always like we've either put our thoughts ahead, like what do I need to do? Or we put our thoughts behind it. Oh, I should have done but if we just let go of both and just be present in the moment, I think that's when the magic does happen in the relationship that you have with your student and they can too breathe and just be there and appreciate, you know, the learning aspect of it. So I love that. That's great. Yeah. And another quick little story. Actually, my mom told me that when I was a baby or learning to speak that I didn't, I was sort of a delayed speaker. I don't know what, what that term is, but 
she said, yeah, you didn't start talking for the longest time. We were worried. And then as soon as you did start talking, it was complete sentences. So like oh. you needed, you needed to like figure it all out and take it all in. And then now you can speak. And yeah. I'm still a little bit like that. I mean, I, I can be quick, but sometimes I'll, I have to process yeah. a, a little bit after a question or, or something. Yeah. And, and, and then, then I can say it. And so I recognize that in students too, sometimes they just, they need a moment. Yeah. And so I don't jump right in. You know, if I ask a question, I don't, answer it for them right after, you know, I, I let it be there for a while. That's really good advice, you know, to teachers too, because sometimes we do, we just need to give them a minute to process that before they reply. So some of the other things we talked about was, you know, teacher workshops on performance anxiety. And I know that that's among your specialties. Can you share maybe something from one of these workshops that can maybe help our listeners just realize that this is maybe something that they could use in their teaching studios? Yeah. One thing that I like to do with performance anxiety is make it worse on purpose. <laughs> or what I mean is like like adversity training, right? So if if you're trying to play a piece memorized all the way through fluently, you know, and, and you feel nervous about it, do things that make it even more, make even more anxiety so like in a workshop, I, I had a volunteer come up and then everyone in the audience, we purposely tried to distract them mm-hmm. while they were playing, you know, like make a noise, clap, you know, scream, say your name. I think I even like snuck my hand in there and like played a couple notes on top of them and like really distracting and off-putting. But, you know, it was kind of funny and fun because we're, we're here in this workshop. And then, you know, the point of the, activity is now that person when they go play it for a concert or whatever surely it's not going to be as exactly (laughs) as horrendous as that right like (laughs) there might be a distraction but that's nothing i went through this whole thing where people were screaming and and Mm -hmm. playing at my same piano and this whole thing (laughs) (laughs) i think that's hilarious and you know it's so i'm actually going to use that so thanks Mm -hmm. for that tip I think that's hilarious because we all, okay, so you're ready to play. Okay. So shh, everybody be quiet. You know, we're just going to, but in the real world, it doesn't always work that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talk about a funny story. So my daughter was performing at university audition. She was just about 11 years old and it was an addition to perform with the symphony on, you know, this um, sonata that she was been working on. So she my husband took her because I couldn't. And of course, he's the dad and he brings with him like a can of Coke, right? And he's sitting right near the front. And she walks up to the stage. She's just little, you know, takes her little bow and and sits down at the piano and all the adjudicators are there for this audition. And just as she raises her hand about to, you know, hit that first, you know, big chord is how this piece started out. You know, you hear... And he opens his <laughs> and she just kind of looked at him without saying a word. And it was that dad, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing, which we laughed about later and, you know, went on to play it, but it was just funny. And, and, you know, she got the audition and everything else. And I guess, you know, it's something that it does happen, right? Somebody just coughs or something and it kind of throws you off. So I think mm-hmm. that's hilarious. So yeah, just way to screw up that anxiety. And I think doesn't it just, didn't it just make them laugh though, Clinton? Like weren't they just right. having fun after that? Exactly. 
yeah, no more anxiety. It's just, it's just life. So let Mm -hmm. it go. Right. That's hilarious. So with the use of all this multimedia in music education is obviously on the rise. Do you have any unconventional tools or apps that you've come across that, that you'd recommend to fellow teachers? One thing I really like is graphic visualizers. So there's two that I can think of GeForce and Aeon or Aeon. It's A-E-O-N. Mm-hmm. And I think they're both from the same company, Sound Spectrum. But basically a, a graphic visualizer is there'll be some kind of shapes and colors and, and you know, abstract graphics moving on, on the screen, but it reacts to audio. Cool. So, you know, it'll it'll move and and gyrate and you know, while you're talking or obviously with music too. And it's really fun because usually you can choose the colors and shapes and things. There's all kinds of settings to play around with. So it's fun to look at. But then since it reacts to the sound, then with your students, you can have them play something while they watch the graphics. And it's like a visual way for them to see what's happening. Mm-hmm. Even like dynamics, they can see if they're playing loud and quiet because it's going to show it on yeah. visually, right? And so yeah. you don't have to say, well, I wish you would use more dynamics. You can just say, look at the screen. Can you make it big and can you make it small? And then they have to, you know, so they really have to try to manipulate it. And it's really fun. Yeah, that does sound like fun. I'm going to try that out. Yeah, I think that, and the more creative we can be with our teaching, the more interest it creates in in helping our students stay in in the class. You shared a little bit about this, and as an expert in Delcro's Eurythmics, what's maybe, you know, an unexpected song or piece of music that you've used in a class, and and what was the reaction? Yeah, well, one of the great things about the Eurythmics philosophy is that you can use any kind of music and it's really a fun way to bring in music from all over the world and different time periods because not only could you play something on the piano but you know you could use recorded music and then have some kind of movement activity one piece that was really special that i i still use is an acapella choral piece called io piango by morton lauridsen and I think it just means the pain, but it's really intense and dramatic and has all this dissonance and it has this big climax. And, you know, I, I'm saying it's unexpected because I use it for piano students, but it's not piano, right? It's, it's just yeah. local. But to use it as an activity where students are hearing dissonance and like these long sustained phrases. And so we do different movements where they have slow, sustained movements in their body and they might even like mirror a partner then it really helps them listen and to be more musical you know than once they're playing their own piano pieces so i love using things like that that are not even piano but just music in general that has certain qualities that can help them yeah Wow. I I think no wonder your students love you. You know, you're so creative, Clinton, and just Mm -hmm. using so many different elements. And, you know, thank you for sharing all of these brilliant ideas with us. I'm I'm, uh, definitely going to be taking notes and, and implementing these strategies as well. So lastly, if you were going to compose 
going to put you on the spot here, Clinton, get ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast with Miss Glory goes in different directions. If you were to compose a short jingle or a tune that encapsulates the, the essence of your teaching philosophy, how would it go? So feel free to give us a little live rendition if you're up for it. Okay, sure. So let's see, it's got to be something that is varied because I use all kinds of things and it's kind of serious, but kind of goofy too. So, okay. <laughs> I love the analysis. The analysis right, okay. is great. Uh, I've got to analyze it before it comes out. Okay, here we go. Da, 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 bum, I love it. That's so great. We've got that recorded now and it's going to Uh be, it's going to be your theme song moving forward. Uh, So um, now I'm going to invite you to uh, record that, add some harmonies in there and (laughs) have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Clinton, you're just such a treasure and thanks for being so generous with your time. How can people connect with you and learn more about your programs? Yeah. So you can go to teachers dot piano sensei.com that has different resources you can book me for consultation and then there's also a link to my podcast page but my podcast is the piano sensei way so you can find that on the piano sensei way.com or you know whatever your favorite listening you know software is my podcast is I try to do, well, I just started, so I've only had five episodes, but I'm trying to do sort of half and half teaching and running the business. Yeah. And then I'm sometimes I'm doing solo and sometimes I have guests on as well. Yeah, it's wonderful. I, You know, I love podcasts. Mm-hmm. I love to be able to just to put it in my earbuds and just to sometimes different activities might be walking on the treadmill or walking outside or, you know, just tidying things up. Or sometimes I'm just laying down and I just want to close my eyes because I look at the screen all day and mm-hmm. just listen. And I personally feel that listening to podcasts is is almost more a, a deeper way of getting into the conversation than just staring at two people talking, right? Mm -hmm. So I I love it. And congratulations on your podcast as well, Clinton. That's wonderful. I know it's going to be really valuable to teachers as well. So there you have it. Thank you so much again, Clinton, and all of our educators and music enthusiasts. Another insightful and harmonious episode of the Ultimate Music Teachers podcast. Remember to always find the fun in your musical journey and let those notes lead to enriching lives through music. So stay tuned for more incredible episodes of the Ultimate Music Teachers Productivity and Profitability Podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, comment, share, and join our Ultimate Music Teachers community. Until next time, keep the music playing. Thanks, Clinton. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Ultimate Music Teachers Productivity and Profitability Podcast. Together, we can transform lives through the power of music education. I invite you to explore what's possible for your musical journey inside our UMT community. Simply join our Ultimate Music Teachers private Facebook group where we network, answer questions, host live events, and connect on a deeper level. Here's to your ultimate music teaching success with productivity and profitability. Till next time, teach with passion. 
Thank you.